a month that ends the year according to the Vedic calendar. And that month is called the month of Kartik. And today is the first day of Kartik. It's also known as the month of Radharani, who is considered the best of all personalities in creation. Uh, it's described that if one simply takes the name of Radharani once, that one attains more fortune than any amount of generosity that one can have in this world that one can perform. Uh, like uh, an example is that in India, um, when they perform some very important program, they'll donate many cows to the Brahmins because the Brahmins are considered the heads of society from a spiritual point of view. And uh, so it is described that even if one gives 10 million cows to qualified Brahmins in charity, if one lives at the confluence of holy rivers like uh, the Ganga and the Yamuna, and if one uh, spends many thousands of lifetimes in Mathura, which is the birthplace of Krishna, one still does not achieve uh, a one-hundredth of the benefit, one one-hundredth meaning one percent of the benefit of chanting Radharani's name once. And this is her month. And so it is described that in this month we dedicate our lives to her service to Krishna because she loves Krishna so much. Um, and the greatest fortune anybody can have in this world is to love Krishna because Krishna is such a uh, giving personality, such a wonderful personality that if one just offers a little bit of love to Krishna it's described even a, a leaf to Krishna, a drop of water to Krishna with love and devotion that Krishna accepts that as the greatest expression of love. And this word service, the English word service, comes from the Sanskrit word seva, because the Sanskrit language is the origin, original language from which all the other languages come. And uh, in Sanskrit, the word seva is described a little differently, well, a lot differently from how the English dictionary defines the word service. The difficulty with languages is that when you speak in a particular language, the meaning of the words pertain to that language. And so whatever words you're using in English refer to the definitions in the English dictionary to those words. And because the English dictionary, uh, English uh, language is a uh, incomplete language in the sense that it doesn't have a word for everything that happens out there. Sometimes you have to redefine that English word to get a better understanding of what it means. And the word service, uh, which comes from the word seva, as I said in Sanskrit, I mean in, Ved in the Vedic uh, language, the word seva means expression of love. So really the word service was meant to be an expression of love, meaning that service was meant to be an expression of love. And at one time in the earlier ages, even when employers had employees and you know, people had others that would work for them, means that they would be subordinate to them. The person 
who would be in charge or the person who is being served would take care of their subordinates so nicely that the subordinates would not want to be with anybody else but that person. They'd be so nicely taken care of. Uh, today it's not like that. Generally speaking, the bosses are not seen as nice people. They're seen as taskmasters, you know. They're trying to get something out of you. and It's like we say in America that the average employer earns 500 times the average employee. So, you know, it's like there's a large disparity between the person who's being served and the person who's doing the service. There's a huge disparity. But in Krishna consciousness, that is not true. If one offers just a little service to Krishna, Krishna appreciates it so much that um, he gives himself to that person or to speak of the creation which actually comes from him as well. And so this is the month in which uh, we get the opportunity to serve Radharani who is the best of all servants of Krishna. She knows how to best serve Krishna because she is his <coughs> internal potency. And not only is she his internal potency, but she is his internal pleasure potency. And pleasure is the purpose of life. Everyone, everything everyone does is actually for their happiness. They're really doing it so they can become happy. They go to work because they want to become happy. You know, they play sports because they want to be happy. They love somebody else because they want to be happy. That's the ultimate purpose for everything that everybody does is happiness and actually it is described in our scriptures that the purpose of life is to be happy and to give happiness to others to love and give love to others because love has the uh, highest quotient of happiness it has the highest amount of happiness in it this is why it is said that true love can defeat anything and nothing can defeat true love so in this month uh, Radharani, who is considered the best of all servants of Krishna, she accepts that any service that is performed, she will take that service and personally offer it to Krishna. Means that she will adjust it so that it becomes perfected. Because our service to Krishna is not perfect. Because we're not perfect beings. We have many imperfections. Uh, in fact, it's described uh, in one prayer, the thousands of offenses are committed by me day and night. Thousands of offenses, thousands of sins are committed by us day and night. So, I mean, it shows how weak we are, that we can't even control ourselves in such a way that we can avoid performing so many offenses, creating so many offenses like that. And so, but in this month, that special dispensation is given that any service that is done uh, Radharani will take that service and perfect it and offer it to Krishna. So Krishna will actually receive it in a perfected way. Um, and so then Krishna can imagine how much happier Krishna becomes because it's perfect service. It's, uh, it's like perfect love. When love is offered perfectly, then the recipient of that love becomes really very happy because it's perfectly done, you know, like that. When it's not so perfectly done, even then they become so happy, as we see in many cases for those of us who are parents or grandparents. Um, we have children, and oftentimes children express their love to us in ways that are not perfect. 
but we accept it nonetheless with a lot of happiness because we know that the child is attempting to show their love to us. And that's good enough for us. We say it's the thought that counts. You know, often we say that's the thought that counts like that. But that's simply tolerating reality. That's just the reality, and we sort of tolerate it. Krishna's case, Krishna is a person who is served by many wonderful, many wonderful personalities. And so he's accustomed to very high levels of service, amazing high levels of service. So when we offer our services which are mixed with our false ego, you know, because generally we think of ourselves as great persons, as somebody who is a nice person, you know, like that. Uh, we have a lot of self-esteem, we say, things like that. Uh, these are elements of false ego, and false ego is like a contaminator. It actually messes something up, you know. It's like, uh, and if you've not eaten sweet rice, all of you have had sweet rice, right? Yeah. So imagine if sweet rice has grains of sand in it, you know. Obviously it's not going to be relishable at all, you know, it's going to be yucky because the grains of sand will come between the teeth and just spoil the enjoyment altogether. So that's what the false ego does when we offer service uh, with our false ego. And this is why this month is very important because Radharani takes out all the grains of sand and makes it pure sweet rice <laughs> that can be offered to Krishna and Krishna really relishes it, you know. And, and she tells him that this was offered by such and such a devotee. Uh, so, you know, we get so much credit uh, because uh, you might think, well, Krishna knows that Radharani purified, but she doesn't. He doesn't. Because the reason he doesn't is because there's a very amazing personality who intervenes, and her name is Yogamaya. And what she does is that she covers Krishna's uh, knowledge that it was passed through Radharani. He thinks that it was just directly given to him by some nice person in Dallas or in Moscow or wherever else that person might be, you know, like that. So amongst the services that we can, uh, we can offer to, uh, to Krishna, the best of all services is the holy name of the Lord, chanting the holy names of the Lord. And the devotee was singing just recently. Uh, she was chanting and everybody else was following along. So what is it about this holy name that is so powerful? Why is it called Maha Mantra? Why is chanting of the holy name so important? So just like, you know, when, when a person falls in love with another person, let's just take Romeo falling in love with Juliet, then Romeo will try to do those things that please Juliet the most. And Krishna says nothing pleases him more than when the Maha Mantra is chanted, Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna. Krishna Krishna Hare 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 Ram Hare Ram 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 Hare Hare. The reason is he considers that to be a direct line between us and Krishna. It's like, you know, if you want to call somebody and you know their phone number, then you dial their number on your cell phone and now you're speaking to them directly, right? And you can say whatever you want to say to them. Like that. So that's a direct line between uh, between us and that person, whoever we're speaking to. So the direct line between us and Krishna is this holy name. And this holy name has many, many great meanings, but Prabhupada gave us four meanings that actually uh, tell us why this is such an important holy name, just in those four meanings. So in our life, we want to be happy, we want to be successful, we want to, be, uh, we want to enjoy the pleasures of this life, 
And so the holy name actually is the most potent formula. There is said to be no formula more powerful than the holy name for anything that needs to be done in this world. So the holy name has five elements to it that actually make it the most potent formula. The first is that the holy name cannot be chanted by anybody unless it has been given by somebody who already chants the holy name. So it can only be given by somebody who has it themselves. Just like, you know, if uh, we want to be happy, then if you go to a person who's happy, then they can give us happiness. Mm. Because they're happy. If a person is miserable, they're certainly not going to be giving us happiness. They're going to give us misery, like that. Because one can only give what one has, like that. So, um, so, the, so the point is that since the holy name uh, can only be given by a person who chants the holy name, who himself or herself has the holy name, because he or she was given the holy name by somebody else, then we can actually now pass it on to somebody else. And so this is considered the greatest act of charity, that, because there are many, many different types of charity that we can do in this world. But the highest charity is to give somebody Krishna. Why? Because Krishna is the greatest entity that is in existence. There's nobody greater than Krishna. Krishna is like, you might say, the sum total of everything. It's a little like, you know, how we chase a few gold coins, you know? One time, the currency in this world were, you know, gold coins and silver coins, like that, right? Now, of course, it's become dollars and cents, which are really based on, uh, on faith, you know, that we have faith in the dollar. And so now, there's cryptocurrencies that have come in that are not even based on faith now. They're based on some algorithms in the computer, and that generates the value of the currency like that, or cryptocurrency like this. But at one time, currency was based on actual gold and actual silver, which is considered of great value like that. So, um, uh, so Krishna is like the gold mine, which is the origin of all of this gold that's available. He's the original gold mine, the complete gold mine, the ocean from which all happiness comes, like that. So, the best gift anybody can give anybody else is Krishna himself, like that. So, when we give the holy name to somebody, we're giving him or her Krishna, because the holy name is not different from Krishna, like in our case, if we chant water, 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 our thirst is not going to be quenched because water and the word water are not the same. There's a disconnect. It is true that water is described as water, but by simply by chanting water, one's thirst is not going to become quenched. Whereas, by chanting the holy names of the Lord, the Lord is going to become accessible to us and attached to us, like that. So the second element is that the name Hare means the energy of the Lord. And this is the most powerful energy of the Lord. This is the internal energy of the Lord. What powers Him? You see, It's a little like gold has value. The value of gold is its energy. You see what I'm saying? That's its value. That's its total value. Without the value of gold, gold is not gold. Similarly, Krishna is not Krishna 
without his internal energy, like that. And so the word Hare means the internal energy of the Lord. Then the word Krishna means that the Lord is all attractive because you know in our lives we are going to be attracted to things and things and us to things and people and things and people uh, 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 we're going to be attracted towards them. We're going to be attracted towards things and people and things and people are going to be attracted towards towards us like that. So this power of attraction is a very very potent energy in this world. It actually is what makes things move. You'll notice that when somebody falls in love with somebody, there's some attraction in that person that causes the person to fall in love, generally speaking. There's some attraction. The best attraction is, of course, the spirit of that person, but generally people don't fall in love with the spirit of another person. They fall in love with their looks, or they fall in love with their wealth, or they fall in love with their fame, you know, like something like that, right? Always initially. And then they later on find out that that's going to wane over a period of time and then they fall out of love. You know. Um, this is my 42nd year as a marriage counselor and often within one, one there'd be at least one or two divorces I'm handling at any one time in my life. So today there was an issue that came up between a couple and the wife said to me, I don't love my husband. And I said, but when you married him, you loved him. And he said, yeah, I thought I did, but obviously I didn't, you know. So this is an example of how one really fell in love with something else about the person. And then when that thing was no longer there, they fell out of love because obviously it's not there anymore. You know, like that. But Krishna is the origin of all attraction. He is the ocean of all attraction. So you don't ever fall out of love with Krishna. If you once fall in love with Krishna, you will never stop loving Krishna. Now you may, you know, get amnesia and forget about it for a while. It's a little like, you know, how things happen to people and then they forget their name and they forget their relatives, you know. And then something hits them and suddenly they remember again, you know. Oh, this is my name, this is who my relatives are, like that. Uh, so that can happen to us, but you don't ever, ever lose any attraction that we have for Krishna, once you gain it, whatever percentage you have, you'll always move ahead from that percentage onwards. This is the power of Krishna's attraction. Then the fourth principle is the principle that moves everything in life, and that's called the principle of pleasure. Everybody does whatever they do because, because it's going to give them some happiness. They're looking for pleasure, and that's why they're doing whatever they're doing. And that's what the word Rama means. Rama means the origin of all pleasure. It's not just pleasure, but all pleasure. Any pleasure you can ever imagine, the origin is Rama, the word Rama. And Rama means that Krishna is the origin of pleasure, and more importantly, Radharani is the origin of all pleasure, because she is his pleasure potency, and she gives him pleasure. He gives pleasure to the whole world, and she gives him pleasure, you know, like that. And the fifth principle, which is a very important principle, is the principle of completion. That anything we do, when we complete it, that's when its highest value appears. Just like, say for example, if a car manufacturer is assembling a car, until that car is fully assembled, the car's full value does not manifest. If it's half assembled, that car is not worth the same as what it's going to be worth once it is completed. And it's, uh, 
certified for roadworthiness, like they say, you know, ready for use, like that. So these five principles are actually the principles of the holy name, because when you chant the Mahamantra, the word Hare means energy of the Lord, the word Krishna means the all-attractive Lord, the word Rama means the reservoir of all pleasure, and we're saying, please engage me in your service. Please allow me to love you, because you cannot force your love on anybody else. It's never going to work. Love can only be voluntarily accepted by a person. There's no rhyme or reason to love. If there's a rhyme or reason to love, then that rhyme or reason becomes the reason for love. If you know I fall in love with somebody because they're wealthy, then it's really the wealth that I fell in love with. It's not the person that I fell in love with. Uh, it's just how happened the person had the wealth, and if I fell in love with that person. So uh, this chanting of the holy name of Krishna gives us all these five things. First of all, it uh, reveres the people who gave us the holy name. So who gave this holy name to everybody? Well, since it belongs to Krishna, the holy name is not different from Krishna, only Krishna can give this to everybody. So in, in the scriptures, there is a verse that says, Om Hare Ram, Hare Ram, Ram Ram, Hare Hare, Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Iti Shoda Shikanam Nam, so what this thing said, what this mantra says is, this is by the way from the Kalishantra Upanishad. Basically what it says is that this 16-worded mantra, if he show the Shikanam Nam, show means 10 and Dasha means 6. This 16-worded mantra, he show the Shikanam Nam means has three names, Hare Krishna and Ram. Kali Kalmashunashanam, Kali Kalmashunashanam in Kali Yuga, it will destroy all types of faults, all types of difficulties of Kali Yuga will be totally destroyed with smithereens. Nashanam means to smithereens. Now you won't even have a memory of the, the, the misery. Now that's not easy to do. Generally we don't forget the misery we go through. But the Holy Name is so powerful that it can totally obliterate that misery to the extent that you don't even have memory of it. I mean, that's real obliteration, you know. It's like it never existed. Nāta-hoparaparapāyaha means there is no process higher than this. There is no remedy in life, there is no uh, therapy in life, there is no value in life that is higher than this. Sarva-vedeshudhishite means all scriptures agree with this. The Christian scriptures agree, the Islamic scriptures agree, the Jewish scriptures agree, all scriptures agree. Vedic scriptures agree, all, all scriptures actually will pronounce that it is true, there is nothing more powerful than the holy name of the Lord. In fact, in some scriptures, they even restrict you from chanting the holy names of the Lord because they feel you should be qualified before you can chant. The great fortune of the Hare Krishna Mahamantra is it was also required that you have, to have a, you have to have qualification. The qualification was that you have to be a Brahmin, because if the mantra starts with Om, and then goes Hari Ram, Hari Ram, 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 So Krishna knew that, that only Brahmins would chant his name, but he wanted to offer this to everybody, especially when he came to form his own devotee, Gauranga Mahaprabhu, he wanted to give this name to everybody. So what he did was he took the Om out, and he flipped the mantra, and made it Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Ram, 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 Hare Hare. Normally it was Om, Hare Ram, Hare Ram, 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 Hare Hare. So, you know, he turned it, he flipped it around, and took the Om out, and mm -hmm. said, now everybody can chant this. 
So the name has been given by the Lord himself. And who can say that he, he has a holy name more than the Lord himself? It is his name. It belongs to him. Okay. Uh, you know, when people fall in love with one another, sometimes they say, that's my name, don't wear it out. You know? And they keep chanting the name over and over like that. So this name belongs to the Supreme Lord. And he wants us to chant because, why? Because we are his children. He says that in the Bhagavad Gita, I am the seed-giving father for all living entities. For those of us who are parents, we know that we love our children so much that we want our children to do greater than what we did in our lives. We want them to do greater things. It's the pride of a parent that a child will do greater than the parent. The parent feels that I'm a successful parent, just like a teacher feels successful when the students do greater than the teacher. The teacher feels I'm a great teacher. My student did so great, like that. The Lord is the perfect father. We're insecure and we still want our children to do greater than us. The Lord is not insecure. He's totally secure. So why wouldn't he want his children to do greater than him? Of course, it's not so possible to do that because the Lord is very, very powerful. But there is a place where he does allow people to do greater than him. And that place is in the spiritual world, a place called Guruka Vrindavan. And he wants us to come back there. So this is the month. The month of Kartik is the month in which we can express to the Lord our love, not just express it, but offer it with perfection and take advantage so that we can actually, uh, when we give our last breath, go back to the spiritual world, to the kingdom of God. It is said to be a little like a Texas two-step. Two uh, it happens in two steps. The first step is we go to that place where Krishna and or Lord Chaitanya are performing their pastimes, and there we get fully trained up perfectly. And then from there we go to the original spiritual world. But wherever Krishna is, is the spiritual world. So it is also the spiritual world where we go to but it's in, in the material universe, gives us final training, final opportunity to perfect ourselves, because this is not a perfect world, so you cannot get perfect training in an imperfect world. Whereas the place where Krishna is performing is pastime, the place where Lord Chaitanya, those are two different universes at any one point in time. Um, the, uh, the environment, the nature, everything around us is totally perfect. In fact, it's described that when Krishna came on this planet, which happened 5,000 years ago, his people came two million years ahead of him to prepare. Just like every time the President of the United States of America comes to Dallas, there is a team that precedes him that will come a week or two weeks in advance to make all the preparations so that everything is perfect for the President to come. As soon as he gets off his flight, every second is annotated. They know exactly what he's going to be doing every second. The roads are cleared. His motorcade will come down, there's no traffic on the road, there's no traffic jams, nothing's happening, everything's cleared up, you know? So his motorcade can go right through and without any hitch, because every second is being recorded that this is going to do this. At this time, up to a second, they'll say exactly what he'll be doing. And they make all those preparations. It takes them a week or two weeks to actually make those preparations because they practice, they do practice runs, and you know, how are you going to do, who's going to say what? You know, they're now, uh, last-minute hitches, you know, like the hiccups. Well, in the case of Krishna, it took uh, two million years of preparation. That's how perfect the situation going to be after he came. And so when the devotees come to that place to get their final training, they're coming into a perfected environment. So obviously when the whole environment is perfect, it's so much easier to be perfect yourself. 
because everything's working perfectly. So obviously you just fit into the groove and you move along like everybody else does. When things are not so perfect, then obviously it's a challenge, right? But there is something that I wanted to say today, and I'll end here. And that is something that Prabhupada said to us that we should actually take account of, and that is that when we perform any service to Krishna, when we do any service, it should be done easily. All service should be done easily. Now, this word easily in English, again, is defined in a way differently from how the Sanskrit word from which it comes defines itself. So we have to redefine this word English, uh, easily, what, what the word easy means in English dictionary. We have to redefine it. And the real, when you redefine it, what it means is that if you're really, really happy doing something, then even if there are big challenges in what you're doing, you will not feel that it's going to discourage you or stop you from continuing doing what you want to do. Because you love so much what you're doing that no matter how hard it gets, you find a way past the obstacle because you love it so much. You know? Can you think of an example that's true like that? Somebody really loves something and no matter what great obstacles come, the person just walks right through fire. Yes? I was thinking of the story of, is it Bilva Mangal Thakur? Bilva Mangal yeah. 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 What is that story you want to say? Um, Bilva Mangala Thakur would go to see a prostitute. Mm. Was it heart? Was it Chintamani? Yes. yes. And um, we'd go every day, and then one day it was weather like this. It, it was worse than this weather. It was worse than like this weather, yes. raining so much, everything was flooded. Yeah. But he was so attached to going to the prostitute that he had to go through. He like swam through the rivers yeah. and you know through the swamps, and yes. finally he and got there. What did he float on? Did uh, he get off to go from one side of the uh, the the you know the waterway to the other side. What did he was oh it was yeah. a dead body. Yes, and yeah. he didn't even think it was a dead body. <laughs> he sat on a dead body and he crossed the uh, crossed the river. You know the river of the great water that's flowing. Oh, yeah. So he, he went through on a dead body. He didn't even realize he thought it was on a boat. And then what happened after that? Yeah, I forgot that detail. So yeah. you just asked that. And then he had to go up. He had because the stairs were not working. Because everything so was flooded, and he had to go up to the second story. So what did he climb up? Was it, it a was snake? A snake. It was a long snake. Yeah. yeah. He climbed up the snake, and he got to the uh, got to the balcony to see his Juliet. Right. And, yeah. And you know, he didn't even know it was a snake that he was climbing up. Poisonous snake, right? Yeah, it's true. For for him, it was no difficulty. He found a way to get to the person he wanted to get to. It's a very good story. Yeah. Great example. The example that I think of most often is the mother for the baby. How difficult it is to give, uh, to deliver a child, right? It's a very difficult process to deliver a child. A very painful process. But a mother will go through it and have so much love for the baby, regardless of the fact that she went through so much pain to bring that baby into the world, you know? And then what to speak of that pain, then the mother goes through the pain of bringing the child up in a situation where she loses sleep because the child wakes up at odd times in the night. And, you know, the child has so many demands, right? And there's no payback from the child. It's only mother's giving, giving, giving. But she has so much love for the baby. She doesn't consider that bringing up the baby is so hard. Anybody else looking at him saying, boy, I would never take that. Nobody accept that. That's too much pain. You know what I mean? Why would you do that for another person? You know? But the mother doesn't see it that way. The mother loves the child so much that she goes through all that pain. 
And sometimes that pain even lasts into adulthood, right? Sometimes children are such a challenge that even when they're adults, they're still a challenge, but the mother doesn't give up on the child. The mother has so much love for the child. Why? That's real love. It's the mother's happiness. The mother's happy to be with her baby, you know, to be with her child like that. And so she will accept all types of austerity to get through it. Another example I give is those who want to become billionaires. You know. If you want to become really rich, and they say in America, an average billionaire goes through four wives. By the time he reaches his fourth wife, he becomes a billionaire, you know. And uh, he, uh, he, uh, he loses his wealth at least three times in the process. He becomes bankrupt like three times in the process. Uh, and he goes through, he doesn't see his children for weeks on end sometimes. Loves his children so much. He's doing it for them. He wants to actually make all this money so his family will be happy. But he loses the family because the first wife thinks he's a loser because he doesn't make money, right? He loses money. He loses his love. Wife thinks he's such a rascal. He'll never be a rich man. You know? I don't want to be married to you. I'll find somebody else. Nice person that she marries that one, you know? Second wife, same thing. Third wife. But then he makes it. Fourth wife is in him. Then the first three wives, of course, like the idea of being back again, but you know, it's too late. <laughs> the fourth one's already married to the fourth one. Now it's not going to happen. But you know, things like this happen. There's so many difficulties he goes through, or she goes through, whoever is trying to become a billionaire. So these are uh, so so the the, the uh, so what we have to do in our lives is actually to consult people so that if we don't know, if we're not clear individually. What is it that is the purpose of my life that I can be very, really fired up about, and very happy to do, you know, regardless of how difficult it's going to become. I'd love to do this. It's my nature, would be my nature. One should find out one's nature like that. And then the next two things after that is that in whatever we do, there are two elements. The first element is the element of happiness. We should feel fortunate that we came to know Krishna that we have the opportunity to serve Krishna because that's a very rare event in anyone's life. It takes millions and millions of lives to come to the point where we come to know anything about Krishna. You know, like now, for example, for those of us who are here in this room, we've already lived more than 155 trillion years. In those 155 trillion years, we've already spent billions of lives, billions of lives. And now we've come to know what Krishna can see. So it's a very rare. It's easier to win a $2 billion lottery. By the way, the lottery is right now at $2 billion. $2 billion? Yeah, $2 billion. It's a billion. Sorry. $2 Pardon. billion to be. Pardon me. You have a better chance of getting uh, hit by lightning on a sunny day with clear with a clear sky than yeah. you do winning the lottery right now. Than winning the lottery, yeah. And it's easier for you to win the lottery than to come to know Krishna. You see what I'm saying? So first of all, we should be very happy that we've come to know this. We should consider that we're very blessed, and so at all times, no matter how difficult life becomes, that powers us, that happiness powers us. I'm always happy that I came to know this, and you know, it's just like a person will win the $2 billion lottery, will become happy. I got $2 billion, of course he won't get $2 billion, or she won't, because government will take away a good slice of it. And, uh, and, and then others will be running after you too to get the other slices, so you can go bankrupt after that. They say that, that lottery winners go bankrupt faster, maybe six or ten times faster than those who don't win the lottery. So uh, anyway, but the second thing is that we should always be very humble. We should understand that it is not by our effort 
that we came to know Krishna. It was by somebody else's grace that we came. Somebody gave us some information. Somebody showed us love. Because it is that said in our scriptures, you know, it takes a person, a devotee of Krishna and Krishna's mercy for us to have that seed of devotion planted in our heart. And all of us here have the seed of devotion planted in our heart. And that is our greatest fortune. And because that is our greatest fortune, we should be humbled that somehow we were chosen as the person to whom this great fortune was going to be given. This great fortune is described as a waxing moon, just like in the case of the moon right now. We just finished today as the full moon. So when you go from the new moon to the full moon, it's called the waxing stage, you know, as the moon is growing. And they said when the moon is waxing, then there's a certain, certain type of a lotus called white lotus. And when its petals unfurl, uh, great fortune happens wherever the petals actually unfurl. So the chanting of the holy name is like the waxing moon unfurling the petals of this white lotus of great fortune in our lives. And we're lucky enough that we're actually experiencing it in our lives, you know, like that. So we should always feel very humble. So with humility and happiness, if we serve uh, Krishna this particular month, especially the month of Radharani, unlimited amount of fortune will will actually accrue in our lives. Hi. So, hi Krishna. I'm going to stop there. Uh, I personally have to go to the temple because it's uh, this is the first night we're going to be singing the Dhammadarasa and Prayers and I happen to be the one who's been listed as the first person who's that loves. But anybody want to say something or ask a question? When you, when you spoke about the energies of Krishna. Okay. I'm assuming it's all encompassing of all energies because I think of a, just two atoms that may collide together to cause an atomic bomb. Absolutely. Then you think of all the energies of all the suns right. and all the planets and right. the atoms of each one of those. Absolutely. All those are just a part and parcel of Krishna. Yeah. So how, how great Krishna is yes. that we're so minuscule that he would even think of us. Yes. And, and it is described in a place, uh, in one place in our scriptures, that the place where he stays is called Golok Vrindavan. And that a particle of dust in that place of Vrindavan is bigger than the total creation put together. Dust is a particle of dust in his place. And it is said that the whole of Golok Vrindavan is like a particle of dust in that whole planet <laughs> compared to his body. That's how big he is. So it's amazing how big Krishna is, you know. And you know, often people say, why is the sky blue, you know? One of the reasons it's blue is because that's Krishna's body. Krishna's body is so big, it's everywhere. And so, you know, you see blue everywhere because that's, that's Krishna's body, it's everywhere. It represents Krishna's body. And so, um, uh, this is Krishna's greatness, that he's so great, and yet he chooses to love us. And not only choose, uh, choose to love us, He's, he chooses to become subordinate to us. In Golok Vrindavan, just like here, everybody worships Krishna. In Golok Vrindavan, Krishna is serving everybody. Mm. He flips it the other way. Mm. He is the one who's chasing everybody. Here, everybody's chasing him. And there, he's chasing everybody. And he wants to put us in that position so he can chase us. Mm-hmm. He wants us to be in that position. He wants to give us the great fortune that he can chase us. 
I mean, you can't imagine the compassion of such a person. I mean, that's way beyond compassion. You know? Yes? How many bodies does Krishna have in total? Krishna has one body in the sense that is his ultimate body, mm -hmm. but he manifests many bodies from there. And that same thing can happen for those of us who go to Guru Vrindavan, by the way. Anybody who goes to Guru Vrindavan can manifest any number of bodies they want to. Do we ever, do, does, uh, do we ever um, maintain one body in multiple dimensions? Yeah. That can happen. It's a matter of consciousness. The higher the consciousness, the more capacity. The idea is to raise consciousness. And so how we raise consciousness again comes back to the holy names of the Lord. By chanting the holy names of the Lord, the consciousness rises. It's the fastest way to raise any consciousness. And then of course done is an expression of love for the Lord, it expands even faster because now the Lord personally um, intervenes to make it happen faster. Because once the Lord puts his energy behind it, then anything can happen. We can put our full energy behind anything and minuscule things will happen. But when the Lord puts his energy behind it, anything can happen. You have another question? Uh, no, just a comment, you know, because we were talking about, uh, you know, Romeo and Juliet, talking yeah. about lovers, okay? Right, right. People who love people right. are not takers, they're givers. Yeah. Okay, so when we think about Krishna, Think about all that he's giving us. Giving. If we take one step, he takes ten steps toward us. Many more steps. Yes. And so right. it's reciprocal. So yeah. that could even be among the devotees. So you know, uh, the way we get along with our devotee friends and it right. is like family. Yeah. Is you love them and yes. you share. Absolutely, absolutely. Share this is a very important point. Prabhupada, when he came to America, he said, unlike other sannyasis who are coming from India, he said, I did not come to take. I came to give. Because most of the sannyasis, all the other sannyasis, not just most, all the sannyasis prior to him who came to America, all came to get something from America. America was a wealthy country and they wanted to take some wealth back to India from what they had in America. But Prabhupada said, I didn't come to take, I came to give. And he said, I came to America, not only to give, but to give America the best. And that's Krishna himself. You know? So this is, you can imagine how much, how gregarious his heart was, how, how, uh, you know, uh, uh, what do you call it, generous he was. Amazing generosity in his heart like that. And we are his followers, so we should actually also have the same qualities in us. Then we can say we are followers, you know. How can we say if we are followers, we actually have our personal agendas where we're trying to get things from others, you know, always in this needy mood, you know, want, 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 I want, I want, I want. I mean, we have to get out of that, that situation. Mm -hmm. Yes. Never mind. Okay, well, thank you very much. Uh, I think now it's prashadam time. It's probably the best part of the program. We might get eat some nice food. <laughs> nice feast that's been offered to Krishna and therefore becomes a mercy. Thank you very much. Hare Krishna. Lunch, Krishna. 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 Krishna.